Welcome to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at the University of Oxford. I'm Federica Cherubini, Director of Leadership Development at the Institute. This is a special series of our podcast and it's dedicated to the Digital News Report 2023. Over six episodes, we'll explore this piece of research, the most comprehensive study of news consumption around the world. In this episode, I'm joined by Nick Newman, lead author of the Digital News Report, to discuss findings around, well, news podcasts. Um, we will look at the proportion of people listening to news podcasts around the world, the profiles of audiences and hosts, um, and what's in it for publishers and what might the future hold. Nick, welcome. Thanks, Federica. Good to be here. So, news podcasts are now a well-established news format. Some podcasts like the New York Times, The Daily, is almost 2,000 episodes in. Why did you focus on podcasts in this year's report? I think we've seen a step change in terms of publisher interest this year and investment in news-related um, podcasts. It's one of the few media types that's growing, albeit quite slowly. Uh, and I think part of the reason is it attracts elusive younger audiences that publishers are looking for and really is very good for building loyalty and connections, which publishers are looking for. So there's there's quite a lot of interest, uh, quite a lot of talking up of podcasts, but actually I think there's also a lot of questions uh, not least a definitions. What is a podcast these days? They're quite loose. Uh, measurement is incredibly patchy, partly because listening is very fragmented, spread across different third-party platforms like Apple and Spotify. So it's very hard to know what's working. There's very little publicly available data. And so that's really what I wanted to look at this year, as well as collecting general information about uh, consumption and demographics. We really wanted to know what podcasts people are listening to. So we used an open question in the survey uh, where we asked people which podcasts they're listening to most regularly. And then we categorized those according to uh, type, length, gender of the presenters, origin of the country. And we did this across nine countries where podcasts are particularly well-developed, including UK, US, Germany, France, Spain, and a range of others. So it's not perfect, you know, surveys have a lot of drawbacks as well, but I think given the absence of other other measurement, it gives a pretty good feel for what people are listening to and what's working. So if we start with uh, some headline figures, the report find that 34% of the sample said they listened to a podcast in the past month, in the past month um, which is up five percentage points since 2018. But news podcast listening is largely flat and sits at just 12%. Can you take us through some of these findings? What does it mean? Why is it happening? I, I think, I mean, it's partly that podcasting and news is not necessarily a marriage made in heaven in terms of, uh, you know, certainly when podcasting started, which is 2004-ish, uh, it took quite a long time to download a program. So the news program was probably sort of slightly out of date by the time you, you, you did it. And actually news news was never really something that that took off in the early days of podcasting. It was about entertainment. It was about radio programs on demand. And I think that, that kind of really changed partly because of technology and the move from download to streaming, um, but partly just because people invented a whole different way of doing audio which they then call podcasts. And so the, obviously the, the serial in 2017 
was a real turning point, this sort of true crime podcast that captured people's imagination. Uh, and then, but you didn't really have daily news output until the daily in 2019. There were a few more before that, but the daily um, really sort of broke the mold. Um, and since then, we have had this sort of huge increase in supply, but actually the audience hasn't grown to the same extent for news podcasting. And I think that's because um, a lot of the other reasons we talk about in the report around, uh, you know, if, if you're looking to put something in your ears, you maybe don't necessarily want it to be uh, downbeat. You don't want, you know, you want to be diverted, you want to be entertained. And so news podcasting, we have to look at as part of this wider ecosystem um, where you're competing with all of the other genres and in terms of attention. You mentioned you look at several countries. Can you take us through some of the differences you've seen um, across countries in terms of listening rates, for example? Right. So, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, the headline rate being 12% for news podcasts, which doesn't sound terribly high, but in some countries it's much higher than that. So the United States, for example, 19% uh, listen monthly. Uh, it's, it's high in Sweden. Uh, of course, that's the home of Spotify. Australia, and it's no coincidence that all of those three countries are ones where there's been a lot of investment in high quality news podcast content designed for your ears as opposed for the radio. And then uh, if you look at, um, and, and I think there's a sort of virtuous circle there as well, because the higher quality content has created uh, more interest from advertisers, which in turn has brought in more investment. Uh, and so you, yeah, you've got the sort of virtuous circle. Uh, in other countries, where I think we see it lower, maybe France, Netherlands, for example, what you see is um, less native content. It's more about sort of radio on demand and there's sort of less incentive, I think, therefore, for the industry to really promote podcasts. So it's partly that, you know, there's, there's less of awareness of what podcasts are in different countries, partly because they've taken, you know, it's taken off at different rates. You've hinted this at the very beginning, but um, what is the profile of the podcast listener and why are or should news organizations be interested in this small section of news users? It, it, it's relatively small, but it, it is exactly the group that they are struggling to access in other ways. So it's it's definitely younger. So young people spend a lot of time with mobile phones and with headphones and they're out and about a lot. So just naturally, it makes more sense that they're going to access more audio content. And of course, that's a range of things from music to podcasts. So they're more likely to listen. Uh, but it's it's not it's not all younger people. Definitely also um, better educated and richer groups as well. So obviously, that is hugely appealing to advertisers. That's exactly who they're looking for to attract as sort of next generation subscribers or news consumers. Um but some publishers are also trying to get to harder to reach audiences and podcasts aren't, news podcasts aren't necessarily the best way of doing that. They're also more likely to be men, interestingly. So um, about four in 10 um, men say that they're listening to podcasts every month and it's only about, uh, it's under a third for, for women, for example. And again, maybe that is the, the nature of the content um, uh, that, that, that there's not enough content that's appealing specifically to women. I'm talking about specifically news podcasts now. So you attempted in this chapter to see what are the most popular news podcasts across 12 countries. And you mentioned at the beginning that you categorize them and you do some tagging. Take us through what are the some of these types of news podcasts that you've categorized. 
Yeah, we've done a bit of work on on podcasts before. So we broadly used a categorization that came out of a, a study where we looked at um, the supply of podcasts, so what type of programs were being produced. And we identified um, four different types. So firstly, news roundup. So this is typically something that might be quite short, somewhere between one and five minutes. And so things like uh, CNN does something called Five Things, and they're designed to very briefly update you, uh, maybe as part of your morning routine, for example. Uh, secondly, there's the deep dive, um, and probably the daily is the best known of that, but um, that has spawned uh, literally hundreds of uh, similar 20-minute, um, normally 20-minute design for your commute to give you uh, detail on one big story um, each day. Uh, and it, it, it employs these sort of narrative techniques where you kind of, it's a bit like a documentary. Um, so it's it's really uh, very well structured and, and thought through to keep you from the first minute to the last minute. And then thirdly, you've got these, um, I guess you call them documentaries. So I mentioned Serial earlier. Um, so some of them are true crime, some of them are about politics. So you take uh, ITV News, for example, did one about the Partygate um, scandal in, in the UK that brought down Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Um, so again, using narrative documentary-based techniques, same subject, but multiple episodes. And typically, you know, they could be up to 30, 40 minutes. And then finally, um, the rest tend to be what I'm calling extended chat. So these are often roundtable discussions, informal style, um, personality-led, essentially. And they can often go on for literally hours. So so Joe Rogan, I think, um, you know, typically is, his episodes are over three hours long. People don't necessarily listen for the whole thing, but they can be, you know, long. Um, and they are a mixture of sort of entertainment and news, basically. So, so four very distinct uh, categories, and we essentially just tagged each of the programs in terms of length and type by one of these four to see which one's the most popular. And which one are the most popular um, across countries? Um, I think, I mean, it, it's slightly different in different countries, but um, essentially the two we felt um, we saw in, in uh, mentioned most often were deep dive explanatory, um, particularly in uh, the US, Scandinavian countries, you know, seem to be really appealing. And then uh, extended chat, um, you know, dominated many of the charts. And I think that's partly in the US, for example, because extended chat almost comes out the talk radio tradition. Um, so it's sort of similar to that, but just you listen to it when you, when you want. Uh, but I think it's partly because they're just, there's a lot of them. Uh, they're relatively simple and cheap to produce. You just get people in the studio, you start recording, and then um, you finish when, when there's nothing left to say. One other thing you've looked in the report is um, the profile of the host um, of the most popular news podcast. Um, what did you find? Uh, we found that somewhere between 60 and 80, in, depending on the country, 60 and 80 percent were were men. Uh, and I think, again, this is due to the predominance of, of the extended chat. A lot of the people who like to do extended chat or a commission to do extended chat tend to be men. Um, whereas actually some of the deep dive ones that I talked about tend to have gender balanced um, hosts. Quite often they have two hosts, a, a man and a woman. Um, so I think this probably also explains why listening is, tends to be um, 
more men than women. Um, so there's a, I think there's definitely a representation issue. So in, in sort of flow radio, I think there's been real progress in terms of move towards men, more gender equality. And I think uh, some of that still has, has to happen in the podcast world. Another thing I find incredibly interesting is that, for example, in the US, the most popular platform for consuming podcasts isn't even an audio-first platform, it's YouTube. Why? To explain, help us understand. Well, it is um, it is intriguing and it's been sneaking up on us for, for, for a few years because if you, you know, it used to be Apple essentially completely dominant in, in podcasting and it still is very important in terms of the download numbers, as any publisher will tell you. But what we've seen is, firstly, Spotify investing significant amounts in, in podcasting, in regional podcasting, though, of course, it's pulling back from some of that now, including Joe Rogan. And they also um, started to film the podcast, not offer video. So Joe Rogan is audio, but you can also watch it. Uh, and Joe Rogan, of course, started on YouTube as a, um, as a video and audio podcast. And... Um, this is this is very popular, particularly look at the the, the, the top podcasts in the US. Uh, I think there was a Pew survey recently which showed that 50% of them are now filmed. Some of them are basically cable talk shows that are then lifted and you get the extra dis distribution on YouTube. But I think the other thing that's happened in the last year and a half is that more shows are being filmed, partly for that distribution via YouTube, which is which has proved popular. But also because you can then take sort of the best bits and you can put them on TikTok or Twitter and you're getting a whole new audience. So people who won't necessarily listen for an hour on in audio will watch a little bit in video. Um, and, yeah. and, and video is really, you know, popular with young people, of course, as well. So I, I think there's a lot of, but it is making the definition of podcast really hard because some of them are really sort of video. Yeah. Indeed. Um, who's benefiting financially from news podcast? Is that the platforms or the publishers? I mean, I think the vast majority of listening, of course, is, is via a platform. Uh, there, there, there are, you know, publishers that have their own platforms, particularly public service broadcasters who are trying to uh, get people to listen to programs through those, those public platforms like... Um, uh, BBC Sounds, for example, uh, which is really popular in, in the UK. But most individual publishers will find it hard to get the distribution if they're not essentially using one of these big platforms. And the problem with that, of course, is that they don't necessarily have the control over what the next click should be or the context around it or the discovery side of it, which is why some publishers are sort of banding together or uh, in Scandinavia, for example, in Nordic countries, uh, Ships did a very large publisher has has bought a podcast platform, and is trying to create an alternative for listening to not just podcasts but audiobooks as well, and packaging all that together with um, with their subscription products. So I think that's a really interesting development we may see more of. And then the other thing that's happening to, is that a number of the public service broadcasters are trying to deliver the the programs first on their own platforms. So their loyal listeners get it first and only then to distribute it via, via all the other platforms uh, or indeed just restricting it to their own platforms so that people have to go there. 
So that's a new trend that we've seen, you know, really grow um, again in Norway and Sweden and, and some of those other countries over the last few years. So I think the battle between platforms and publishers will be slightly different uh, in in the audio space, um, but it's it's definitely a tension point over who controls it, who's getting much of the value, who's getting much of the money and the advertising revenue as well. So are people making money from podcasts and use podcasts? Uh, some. But I mean, in 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 countries like the US, um, there are publishers that um, for whom audio and podcast is now a very significant business. Vox Media, for example, New York Times investing very heavily in it, but they're also investing a lot of money. So whether that's profitable or not, we're not quite sure. But I think um, I th I think a lot of publishers are are looking at this as sort of the long term. So it's not necessarily about immediate advertising revenue. They're advertising is a primary way in which publishers, uh, commercial publishers, are making money, um, but also about loyalty and um, building relationships and bringing new, identifying new uh, customers, uh, so subscribers, for example. So something like The Daily will, will be uh, part of the aim is to sort of cement uh, relationships with existing subscribers. Part of it is about identifying new, younger users who then you're going to do a special offer for a subscription or whatever. So, so that that's part of the publisher thinking. And then there's some others. Uh, so in the UK, for example, one of the top podcasts is The Rest is Politics. So it's not produced by a conventional publisher. It's produced by a company called Goalhanger. And it's Rory Stewart, a former politician, conservative politician, and Alistair Campbell, who used to be uh, chief advisor to the Labour Prime Minister, Tony Blair. And they have produced uh, a podcast called The Rest is Politics, which is hugely popular in, in our data, um, one of the top three in, in the UK. And, and some of their revenue is coming from live events. So they sold out the London Palladium uh, two nights in a row for, uh, I don't know how many seats, probably a few thousand. They sold it out in about 10 minutes. So, so, so some of the, the, the top podcasters can make significant money through personal appearances, through events, um, particularly if you have a kind of a low low cost space, so you, you've got you, you've got that going on as well. Who knows? Maybe next year we'll be recording digital news report podcast, the London Palladium, and then it chance. Sounds great. <laughs> um, going back to the we're in the niche stuff. podcasting business, uh, Federica, which is a, which is also a, a, an important but different. But we have a lot of audience, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Going back to the original um, finding that new pod news podcast listening has kind of been flat for the fa for the past six years, have we reached a peak podcast? What challenges do you see that news organizations are, are facing in growing the podcast audiences? Yeah, I, th I think the last uh, 10 years really... Um, we, we've seen very significant growth in the supply of podcasts, but as I kind of mentioned, the audience isn't growing as fast. Uh, and, and this is not just confined to podcasts. This is the problem of abundance. You know, you, you, you now get to a stage where the consumers have huge amounts of choice. So just producing a podcast is not enough. You have to produce podcasts that are distinctive and deliver something of, of real value. There's literally no point in producing something um, in a half-hearted way. It's not going to succeed in this kind of competitive market. Having said that, I think the future for audio is incredibly attractive. You know, there's not many areas that are 
growing audio remains unique in that you can listen while you're doing other things. I think the other point is that, uh, and the reason why I think audio as a whole is going to grow is because of the, there's so many more connection points than there used to be, and they're still growing. So not just, you know, headphones, which are becoming a platform in their own right, but also uh, just the millions of uh, voice control devices that are now in people's homes ready to be activated for long content, short content, live content, roundups, extended chat, you know, deep dives, whatever you want to think, D read stories. So, you know, that's going to be another really big growth area. New York Times just launched their, their audio app, which have a number of their, their stories now read with either by humans or by AI chatbots that sound like humans. So I think, I think audio is going to be super abundant and there's loads of opportunities in that, but also some, some issues as well. No silver bullet, but I think it's going to be an absolutely critical part of the future for, for pretty much all publishers. You're a positive um, outlook for um, news podcasts. A rare and positive uh, uh, story, a bright spot, definitely, but, but, but there's no silver bullet and, and you really have to focus now on, on quality, distinctiveness, understanding your audiences going forward. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Thanks very much. Our guest today was Nick Newman, lead author of the Digital News Report and senior research associate at the Reuters Institute. You can catch up on other episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you want to read the report in full, you can find it online at digitalnewsreport.org slash 2023. And if you don't want to miss any news from the Institute, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter by clicking the link on our Twitter bio or on our homepage. This was Feature of Journalism, a podcast by the Reuters Institute. I'm Frigga Cherubini and we'll be back soon.